This is episode 605 of the AWS podcast, released on July 20th, 2023. Hey everyone, we have made several big changes to how we provide podcasts to you and we'd love to get your feedback. Please see the show notes for a link to a two-minute survey and let us know what you think. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the official AWS podcast. We got some exciting updates with Amazon EC2 TRN1N. I'm Han Wen Lochran, also known as Han Solo, your friendly neighborhood co-host of the official AWS podcast, and I'm joined by Max Leo. Welcome. Hi, Han. Hello, everyone. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what do you do at Amazon Web Service? I'm part of our go-to-market team and I lead our global uh, business development and go-to-market for Amazon's AI, ML, accelerated computing business. Nice. So we're again here to discuss the Amazon EC2 TRN1N. But before we get started, you know, let's just dive in a little bit more. Like, can you tell us what Trainium? I hear about Trainium with this. So what is that exactly? You know, uh, at AWS, we are looking to the uh, trend of uh, AI machine learning, and we built a, a purpose-built machine learning accelerator that we call Trainium that is designed to deliver great performance and the lowest cost for deep learning training. We actually have done uh, other accelerators for machine learning as well. Two other chips are AWS Inferentia and AWS Inferentia 2. And those two chips are optimized for deep learning inference and they deliver the best price performance in the cloud. And so that's kind of the innovation actually uh, that we have on the uh, silicon level. Um, We have multiple layers in the machine learning technology stack where we're putting innovations around the servers, around the data center design, and also the software level. Cool. So we launched the first generation AWS Inferentia Base Int1 instance in 2019 and AWS Trainium Base TRN1 instance just last year, right? So what has been the customer's response to that? Our customers uh, love these instances because, again, they uh, deliver the best price performance uh, for deep learning inference and training. And for Trainium, we have another customer from Japan. They're called Money Forward. They build chatbot apps for uh, financial services. And uh, they've seen a lot of uh, cost savings and performance improvements on the Inferentia instances, Inf1 uh, for inference. And they're so excited about it. And now they want to migrate their training jobs also for natural language processing models onto uh, Trainium. So, and a goal is the same, right? They want to see the same performance gain and also uh, cost-saving benefits. We have other examples as well, you know, ranging from the smallest startups to the biggest enterprises in the world. A few examples include uh, Runway ML. They're working with us to deploy their uh, image generation workloads onto Inferentia 2. We have cu- other customers like Sprinkler, uh, Finch Computing, and they're all doing great things for their customers using machine learning on Inferentia and Trainium. And even internal to AWS and Amazon, we have customers like Amazon Search, who is working with us to deploy their search algorithms on Inferentia 2. And there are other internal usage, you know, including Amazon Advertising Team, Alexa, as another good example. 
That's really cool. I see a lot of a movement around natural language processing NLP and a smarter chat box at a better performance and cost, which is super cool. So tell us a little bit about why did we build the TRN1 instances and what is new about this TRN1 instance that we're launching today? We're all seeing, you know, a huge wave of new models coming up in the AI space, especially after wave of the GPT type models, right? And this represents three big trends that we see in the market. The first trend is the uh, generative AI or, and large language models. The other one is the, the usage of self-supervised learning technology into training these models in the notion of uh, a few shot or zero shot models uh, with capabilities that you can just train them and then uh, pre-train these models. And then you throw them at a question, even if with data that they haven't seen before, based on the pre-training, uh, they can still infer with good results. That's uh, very advanced technology that we see in the uh, AI machine learning world. And the last one is the power of the, the crowd, the open source, right? We've seen so many new models coming up in the open source world through communities like Hugging Face. And we're so happy to see that the, the um, the level of innovation that's happening, the pace of innovation that is happening in this domain. You know, thanks to these uh, major trends, we see almost like explosion of type of ac- applications you can run uh, using these large language models. Uh, some of these models are super big. You know, we're talking about hundreds of billions of parameters for a model. So uh, these models are so good, it's easy to use. But one challenge that our customer constantly come across is that how do we find the most cost-efficient way to train the model within the you know shortest time and with you know uh, the amount of resources they can find, right? So these kind of challenges around resources, time, and cost are are very important, and and and, and we are here to help our customers to actually overcome this these problems. I will g- give you one example. You know, a, a typical customer when they need to train a large sized language model um, with hundreds of billions of parameters, uh, usually they need thousands of GPUs and takes you know weeks, if not months, of time to train a, a model. And that usually costs millions of dollars. At AWS, we always come from the customers and work backwards. And we're trying to solve that problem to create something that can help them to, to save on cost and speed up the, the time to train. Uh, that's where we started with Trainium and TR1 instance, as you mentioned, that we GA'd um, last year around October timeframe. And that is a purpose-built solution to solve these challenges. And we design the instances and, and the chips to deliver the optimized performance to train the popular large language models and generative AI uh, models. And in the same time, deliver up to 50% lower cost to train, which is you know a, a huge advantage as compared to comparable EC2 instances. So that's TR1 and, and, and Trainium. Uh, but we didn't stop there. When we look at the recent advancement of the large language models, um, especially uh, when customers is trying to train the models uh, through many, many accelerators, the uh, technical term is called distributed training. When they do that, one key bottleneck is around how do you efficiently communicate uh, between the multiple workers that are working on, on training the model. And in this kind of specific problem, networking speed is critical. We've seen, you know, a customer struggle with overcoming that networking bottleneck. 
Um, so to solve that problem, we've designed in the next generation or next iteration of the instance called TR1N, which has twice the networking speed over TR1, which is 1600 gigabits per second as versus 800 gigabit per second uh, throughput. And this network speed up creates another you know, performance improvement over the uh, distributed training uh, workload. So we're seeing a lot of uh, progress um, that as we are testing out these models using the TR1N. And while we're seeing performance gain, by uh, using TR1N for these models, we're maintaining the same up to 50% cost to train uh, savings as we've seen in TR1. Yeah, those are some really incredible price performance pr- uh, benefits for like both TR1N and TRN1N instances, especially around the big buzz of like, generative AI. And I'm always a big fan of like, you know, open source and open science, democratizing like basically the artificial intelligence with Hugging Face. So it's super cool that we're enabling this with a faster and better performant um, instances. So tell us a little bit about like what is enabling these outcomes. It has a lot to do with the innovation that we've done in the chip level and also at the server level. As I mentioned earlier, we uh, look at the innovation and the multiple layers within the chip, uh, which is kind of the origin of everything happens, all the math is done. Um, we have done you know, optimizations for the microarchitecture, especially for the um, machine learning math. So we support a new data type that is called configurable uh, FP8. Uh, that is optimized for uh, accuracy. Well, we reduce the model size, so which in turn reduces the uh, memory footprint. And also, uh, in the same time, uh, we can support you know larger models and, and enable uh, faster throughput when it comes to model training. And that is on top of the other data types that we already support, you know, namely single precision FP32, half precision FP16, FP BF16, and um, TF32, and of course the um, integer eight. So we have very wide range of data type support. And on top of that, uh, we put in a technology that is called hardware accelerated stochastic rounding. What it is, is basically when the uh, data scientist is trying to optimize between the speed of the training as measured of throughput and the model convergent accuracy after uh, rounds of uh, training cycles. So when they are trying to do that, traditionally they start with FP32, which provides good precision but it comes with slower performance. When customers uh, choose a faster or smaller data type like BF16, the throughput is faster, but it comes with lower precision, which may translate to uh, poorer accuracy. You know, this technology called stochastic rounding uh, helps with that, with clever math, basically, to find a good balance between uh, precision type, aka throughput in this uh, equation, versus the the accuracy of the model convergence. There are software ways to do that, uh, which is not as efficient. Now with this new type of silicon, we're putting a hardware capability to accelerate this uh, stochastic rounding 
technology to make it happen without basically the work that the data scientists need to put in. This is something really cool that we'll put into it and is available for Trinium. And the last piece of the technical capability we're putting into the chip is the support to custom operators for C++. We support dynamic input shapes. And so this will, these capabilities will help the developers to innovate faster and have more flexibility in the type of models they're building. Um, on top of that, you know, within the server, um, we have multiple chips put in one instance. So we have um, up to 16 Trinium chips put into one TR1 instance. Now that adds up to up to three petaflops of half-precision compute, FP16 and BF16. And also between the chips, uh, earlier I mentioned, it is very important for the chips to be able to communicate very efficiently among each other, which is very important for a large-scale training job. And to enable that, we implemented ultra-fast interconnect between the chips that we call a neuron link technology. And between the servers, we have very fast you know, networking. As I mentioned earlier, this is a key you know, improvement with TR1N over TR1 is that we are doubling the networking speed that will further uh, help the customers and, and data scientists to see faster and more efficient training real results. So that's the high bandwidth that you spoke about earlier, right? For distributed training workloads? Yeah, exactly. And at the data center level, uh, we're building a supercomputer that we call an EC2 ultra cluster with TRN1. That's tens of thousands of accelerators uh, connected with uh, a non-blocking petabit scale network. And so adding all these accelerators together, we're talking about more than six exaflops of compute. And, and that's on demand at AWS. So for a data scientist, who needs to run the largest machine learning um, clusters in the world, they can do so with EC2 Ultra Cluster with TRN1. Great. So we're building an easy-to-use, on-demand supercomputer, which is super awesome. So what kind of workloads are suitable for these instances? Very wide range of a lot of these uh, deep learning generative AI models we're talking about, and, and that includes... Uh, natural language processing, NLP type uh, workloads, computer vision workloads, recommender workloads. And very recently, we've seen a lot of progress in the uh, biotech domain. Uh, so models like protein folding, deep phenotyping type of workloads uh, are very suitable for TRN1 machines. Yeah, it seems like the new AI application appears daily across like news headlines, right? So how are customers training the ML models for these like applications on like EC2? What are their options? And how does the TRN1 and TRN1N fit within these options? Yeah, um, so at AWS, you know, we um, we have Amazon EC2, which is the broadest and uh, deepest portfolio for compute infrastructure for virtually any workload you can think of. And, um, and we always help our customers to find the most optimized performance, pricing, and, and flexibility for their workloads. Specifically for the machine learning focused instances, uh, we have GPU-based instances. We have the AWS Trainium and Infrancia enabled instances. And we'll also have accelerators from other partners like Intel Habana Gaudi chips uh, enabled instances. Uh, so that's 
very wide portfolio. Uh, even with the uh, GPU-based instances, we have you know the P4 family, the P4D, P4DE, and we also have the G instances, our G5s and G4s, etc. So customers will have flexibility, specifically for those who really want to optimize uh, for either deep learning training or inference um, for performance and cost. Uh, they should really into, uh, look into the machine learning accelerators because these are purpose-built. Uh, for example, uh, as I mentioned earlier, for customers who need to train huge, massive models, they should look into TR1 and TR1N, and we'll, they will get up to 50% better price performance uh, for training for their models. So, you know, uh, customers can uh, already sign up uh, to these instances because these are generally available right now. And see for yourself. Yeah, like speaking about trying things out, right, for the tr one in instances. So as a developer, like developers need to make changes to their code when training the models on these instances, or what do they have to do? This is where our focus is really to try to make it uh, super easy for the developers to get started. And uh, one critical thing is they have to be able to use it, uh, their existing code and build on very popular frameworks like PyTorch um, with very minimal changes. So what we're doing is we have created a software uh, developer kit that we call Neuron. It is a combination of compiler, the uh, framework extensions, as I mentioned before, uh, integrated into PyTorch and TensorFlow. And uh, there's a runtime library and of, of course, developer tools like tuning tools and monitoring capabilities. So how it runs is uh, the compilers is uh, in charge of translating the application uh, code into machine code that is uh, optimized for Trinium. And then on top of that, there's integration layer between the neural SDK into uh, TensorFlow and PyTorch. So from the developer's perspective, they actually don't need to make a lot of changes in their code to be able to take advantage of that hardware capabilities. To make it even easier for the developers, we work very closely with the industry. Uh, for example, there's um, a, a community-led initiative around OpenXLA. Uh, we're a founding member of that initiative, and we support the integration from that layer. So from a developer's perspective, as long as they call the API from XLA, they can already take advantage of uh, the Neuron and Trinium underneath it without having to work too much. The developers will see a seamless uh, you know, training job can be deployed on both training and inferential. Do developers have the flexibility to train on like tier in one in instances then deploy it on like a GPU? Yes, absolutely. There's no locking in Trinium or in Frencia. The developers, they all operate at the ML frameworks level. So when they target the hardware, they get benefits of the speed up and the cost savings. And once that job is done, once, once that model is trained, they can take that model and deploy on in Frencia, be it in Frencia 1 or in Frencia 2, or they can deploy onto GPUs or whichever accelerator they choose. Gotcha. And as we're witnessing, like the field of like deep learning is like rapidly evolving with new models and like use cases, right? And from like the software roadmap perspective, like how do developers stay engaged with like AWS Trainium and Inferentia and also this Neuron SDK team, what you, you know, they're working on? You're absolutely right, right? This domain is perhaps the, the fastest changing, um, you know, front end of innovation in technology. And so we constantly keep up 
with uh, new models, developments, and new variants of frameworks that's uh, being announced and released. So we have a roadmap for Neuron SDK that is publicly available. Then we put into uh, GitHub, so any developer can just go on and, and look at our roadmap. And, and also they can provide feedback. They can uh, request features. They can engage with the developers through our engineering team, through GitHub, or if they have more specific questions they can post on Amazon Repost, um, and we have you know developers, uh, support teams, and engineers who constantly monitor the incoming requests, and they can also work on customer issues that's being posted in there, and also they will definitely pass the feedback to our product team. One more question, right? Very important question. How do customers get started? They can already spin up a instance uh, for TRN1 or TRN1N uh, through their AWS console. The usage of that instance is no different from any other GPU-based or CPU-based instances. Uh, they, um, and we have full integration with typical AWS services like uh, EKS, ECS. And we also have integration through SageMaker if the customers prefer a managed service experience. So after that, we have documentation for a neuron and we have sample codes, tutorials that they can download, they can copy paste from, uh, you know, into their own uh, notebook and run with it. Awesome. Max, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. And as always, we love to get your feedback. There's a link in the show notes to submit feedback. And until next time, keep on building.